All right, everybody, what's up? This is Hunter Williams. This is going to be episode one of the Weapons of High Performance podcast. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time if you're listening to this. Someone else is actually listening to this. This means what I'm doing is already success because if I can just, sounds really, really corny, but if I can just change one person's attitudes, outlooks, kind of their insights on life, then to me, this would be a win. Uh, the purpose of this podcast, kind of like the title goes, Weapons of High Performance, is to really give people out there, much like myself, a toolbox that they can go back to and just draw little things from every single week so that they can improve their life. Um, I know ever since I really started getting into making myself a better person, which I've really tried to do my whole life, but just making myself a better person in general, since I really went all in on doing that and just said, hey, look, my main focus in life is just going to be whatever it is, work, relationships, anything that I'm doing is to try to become better all around, regardless of what the endeavor is. And with that, I just want to give people a resource, brain trust, think tank, hub that they can go back to and draw from. And really, if they just relate to the type of person I am and kind of vibe with what I'm doing, that'd be awesome. And eventually build a community of like-minded people. One of the things that I see in my day-to-day life is I'm an entrepreneur and I'm around a lot of other entrepreneurs and actually quite successful entrepreneurs. But I just don't see this inner flame and a lot of other people that I know is out there in the world and among other people. So one focus of mine is trying to connect with high-performing people. And through this podcast is my way of putting out there into the ether to connect to those people and build relationships with them and just make the world a better place. So this episode, episode one, is going to be more of just an overview of what I'm going to be doing, what this podcast is about, who I am, why do I even have the authority to even tell you about what it means to be a high-performance person, or do I even have that authority at all? So with that being said, let's get right into it. So basically, my name is Hunter Williams. I am 26 years old. This is, today's date is January 5th, 2020, so just starting the year 2020. And a little bit of backstory about me. So this is going to be a backstory on my journey. So as we get into further episodes and everything, if anyone wants to go back to understand who I am, what I'm about, where I'm from, what my life looks like, what shapes the opinions, thoughts, commentary that I have on the world, uh, hopefully this gives a little insight into that. So I was born 1993 in a town, born in Raleigh, North Carolina, and grew up in a town called Wake Forest, North Carolina, which is not where the university, Wake Forest University, is located. I'll get into that a little bit later. But I grew in the town of Wake Forest, North Carolina. Just very middle-income parents. I'm the oldest of four boys, so I have three younger brothers. And you'll notice as I go through not only this episode, but a lot of the other future podcasts, how that shapes kind of my worldview on things, being the oldest of four brothers, but grew up in a family, like I said, very middle income. If you took a vast swath 
of the United States population, I'd be right there somewhere around the middle. Not poor, not rich, never had to worry about meals, but also money was a big issue for us growing up in terms of there was never enough of it, especially when you're growing up in a household with four boys where the grocery bill can be upwards of $3,000 a month. But grew up and I think one thing that you'll notice as I talk about this, I grew up and my dad was a landscape contractor. So growing up, especially being the oldest, I was the first one on the job starting around the age of 12, where I would go to work with my dad, help him out. He was self-employed, so just a little bootstrap business where he did landscaping work, basically hired out manual labor for homeowners and also builders that were building houses. So growing up, I learned the value of hard work very quick, whatever that even means. You hear people talk about the value of hard work. It's just like one of those phrases that gets thrown around all the time. So whatever that means, I learned the value of hard work. I think I'm starting to realize more now what that actually does mean. But anyway, had to toil through manual labor uh, every summer and many of the weekends growing up, up until I went to college and even then some in college too. But um, yeah, went through that and going through school, I was always really, really, really good at school. And you always hear successful people say, you know, school wasn't for me. I just growing up never got it or anything like that. Um, actually, for me, that was not the case. Most of the subjects in school, particularly math, but even some of the other ones, I was really, really good at. I got A's in everything. And I mean, looking back in high school, I think there was only two classes that I didn't get an A in high school and I went through all the advanced classes and everything. So you hear a lot of this podcast itself is gonna be talking about weapons of high performance. What do high performers do? Well, you see a lot of high performers, they get older in life and they always look back and it maybe it's just cliche, but they always say, oh, I wasn't good at school. I think the conundrum about school is that growing up, Kids that are really good in school are actually just really good at getting prepared to be a good corporate do-gooder. So they're really good at listening to someone tell them what to do and then replicating or answering questions or spitting back out whatever that person told them to do. So I think that's where you see a lot of really, really successful people, not your average, above average income earner, but just really successful people weren't good at school because they actually thought for themselves and uh, realized that, I don't know, this is my opinion, that school is kind of a con game. So anyway, going through school, even from the start of kindergarten up until I graduated high school, extremely high performer in academics. I think out of my, and I'm not sitting here to toot my home horn, I'm just, this is again a framework for helping us understand what this podcast is going to be about. Um, and I think, I mean, I, we'll get into this later, but I think a lot of people that are really good in school think that's going to save them. And um, I was always really good in school, but my parents did an amazing job of just reminding me that it's not how good you do in school. Like if you get an A or a C in a class, at the end of the day, that's really not going to matter. Nobody's ever even going to remember that. It's going to be the value that you provide to others day in and day out. So because I got good grades in school, two years 
two years ago. Does that matter today? No, what matters today is that I got up and I provided value to the world. Um, so anyway, so went through school and uh, I mean, my parents were like that. So they weren't really, didn't really place a big emphasis on grades, but also I didn't really either. Um, this will get into the athletic side, but my whole life I played football. So starting from the age of seven, I really loved football from the, I, I don't remember when I started loving football. That's how long I've loved football. So before I was even what we would say conscious of what was going on, I liked football, started playing at the age of seven, and then played Little League, high school, and then eventually played Division I at the college level in the ACC at Lake Forest University. But um, anyway, that was always more important to me. And maybe it's just the type of person I am. I'm very physical in the sense that I like doing physical work. It doesn't mean that I dislike intellectual work. But um, very physical, and I think that's a that's a huge part of being a high-performing human is having a strong physical component. You can have the strongest mind in the world, and if you're a little weak-body wimp, nobody's going to care because you probably don't have the total physical presence that's needed in order to convey your ideas in a way that actually shapes and changes the world. I'm not saying that you have to be, uh, you know, the strongest man in the universe or Mr. Olympia or whatever uh, to be successful, but that is a huge, huge component in future episodes, something I'm really going to dive deep into that I think is important. And every, I think it's important for everyone to do regardless of, you know, what your body type is or whatever. It's important that you're strong. And that goes if you're male, female. I mean, I'm, who knows, maybe a lot of females will end up listening to this podcast. It's going to be more geared towards males just because I'm a male. That's what I know. I don't know what it's like to be a female. Um, but again, this is going to be my kind of insights, commentary, experience on everything. So anyway, went through high school, growing up, really successful in academics, also successful in athletics. And again, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. This is a backstory that will lead up to future episodes that we're going to do. But anyway, so I think if I look back onto my journey of really trying to discover myself and just understand who am I in the world, that's one of the questions I mean, I ask myself every day, but I think probably more so than a lot of other kids, I was very introspective and wanted to know who am I and what I do in the world. But anyway, to me, growing up and especially through high school, my sole obsession was getting a football scholarship. Good and good grades are nice, yeah, yeah, whatever. Getting into a good school, yeah, yeah, that's nice, whatever. But I was singularly, probably to the point of poor mental health, obsessed with getting a football scholarship. And every year, I mean, there's guys that are 16, 17 that are also the same way. That's what they do. They're, they're laser focused on just getting a football scholarship. So um, what ended up happening is started to get recruited, but I never got offers. So if you don't know what that means or are familiar with college athletics, how recruiting works, um, I got attention, but our school really wasn't on the map enough. And then I was looking back really way too small. I played linebacker, just really way too small to um, get recruited, at least at the high level that I thought I was capable of playing at. And the thing that you notice with a lot of high performers, and I was just reading this about Ray Dalio, who's put together some of the most important work that I've come across and it's helped shape my worldview. But um, 
is that high performers are a little delusional about what they can accomplish. And I think I've always been a super pessimistic person or not necessarily pessimistic, but just realist and tried to be as rational and reasonable as a third party observer as I could possibly be. And um, you start to study a lot of really successful people. They were extremely audacious about what they thought they were capable of accomplishing. And looking back, I was actually, this was kind of the same thing that I was. So I could have gone to a division two, II, division three school where they don't really have football scholarships and got to play and it would have been nice and everything. Um, but I didn't want to do that. And because I had great grades, I was able to get into what would be considered top tier academic institutions. And I didn't think I was going to be able to afford them, but luckily a lot of these places have great financial aid packages and then got into Wake Forest University. So I grew up in the town of Wake Forest, North Carolina, and also was able to get into Wake Forest University. And that's great and everything. And for a lot of people, that would be an awesome thing to be able to get into an academic school like that. But I wanted to play football. Again, that was really all I cared about. And uh, still thought that I would be able to make it to the NFL. But either way, what I told myself at the time is that I want to know within myself that I did everything I possibly could to play at the level that I thought I was capable of. And whether I made it or I didn't make it, I would be okay knowing that it never worked out because I did everything I possibly could. And I knew the lessons that I would learn from trying to achieve those goals would set me on the path that would open up doors that I knew because I developed the mental fortitude to go to go through something like that where a lot of people aren't even audacious enough to audacious enough to even try to begin with. So um, got into Wake Forest University and talked to the football coaches who were there then. They said, yeah, sure. It's a tougher academic institution to get into. So you don't really have a lot of walk-ons on the football team. And if you're not familiar with what a walk-on is, just be someone that gets into a school and then volunteers to be on the football team and really is expected to be more of a practice player and just a contributor, not as a player on the team that actually makes plays on the field, but just someone that kind of helps out and helps out through practice and everything. So those were the expectations that coaches had for me going in. And of course, in my brain, and while not a lot of other people had this expectation for me, other than me and probably my parents, um, thought that I was going to be a starter and become all great and everything and then go to the NFL. So you look back, high performance, you have one person that strives to be high performance, they're a little delusional, and then they move on into a situation where nobody really believes in them, but you trust it and are willing to learn the lessons that it takes. And really, one thing that I've heard about high-performing people and whatever it is, whether it's entrepreneurs, employees, whatever, is the ability to endure pain longer than others can withstand pain. So going through my freshman year at Wake Forest as a walk-on, it's pretty tough because being playing college football is basically a full-time job. You're doing all of this work. You have your classes, especially at Wake Forest, which is a harder institution, 
harder academic institution where the classes are going to be tougher. And you also have a full-time job on that, which is called playing football. So you're focused on that. You're getting your body beat up and you're trying to improve your body and grow and everything. And um, it, it's no joke when you get into a situation like that. Now, I'm not complaining. I love football. And if somebody gave me a piece of paper today that allowed me to play again, I would do it. But I just want to give people a framework for understanding that because I don't think a lot of people that aren't engaged in athletics or have an athletic background at that level where you're playing and there's big money behind the sport in terms of TV contracts, conferences, and whatnot, um, they don't understand that it really is a full-time job. And we have 18 to 22, 23-year-old kids providing, I mean, a level of service and they're getting paid in the form of their scholarship. But um, they don't realize how much goes in into that and how much is expected out of them. And especially when you look back and you're a little bit older and see, wow, um, we are providing a service as a kid that most adults wouldn't be able, be able to even handle themselves um, in terms of the preparation and everything needed to go through. But anyway, to get back on track, what you learn is that I wasn't getting paid to be there. So I was basically volunteering my time to the football team in hopes that maybe one day I would get to play, maybe I wouldn't. But I wasn't getting paid to be there and I was putting in the same amount of effort, sacrifice, and everything else that someone was getting paid to be there. And so what I learned from that is it doesn't matter how much you're getting paid or not paid. What matters is that I showed up every single day and that when other people were tired, when other people didn't feel like doing the workout, when other people weren't finishing reps, when other people weren't sprinting through the line, when other people weren't practicing hard, I did all of those things. So I think one thing that you look back um, and you look at a lot of high performers, really, really high achievers, they were consistent. So the good, bad, the ugly, the happy, the sad, they showed up and did their best regardless. And I think that's kind of what I did my freshman, especially my sophomore year is I got zero recognition whatsoever, but I was okay with that. One, because I love football. So I was getting something that I, being able to get, getting to do something that I love to do. But then also just um, being able to stay focused and understand that it was a long game. So when you're in a hard workout and I understand that a, that's not the end of the world, that the workout's hard, but that you're going to show up again and again and again and again. And then eventually when an opportunity comes to the door, you're ready to take it because you're consistent where all those other people weren't. So anyway, went through those first two years of college football, zero recognition whatsoever. Just kind of showing up with my lunch pail every day. And I thought that was probably how it was going to end up. To be honest, if I look back and what my belief systems were, I thought, you know, I oh, probably like this is nice and everything, but it's not going to work out. Well, anyway, after the end of the, my second year going into the spring, we had spring football and we had one guy get suspended, I think. And so I started taking more reps with the ones and twos, really just because we didn't have enough bodies and I was in at linebacker. And again, it was just the consistency of doing it over and over again and always doing it right. And I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the fastest, definitely not the fastest. Um, but because I was able to put myself in position and have such laser focused technique over the things that I could control, not things that were out of my control, like the give God given talent, height, speed, weight, whatever. But because I was focused on the things I could control, 
I ended up getting really good and then worked my way like in the two deeps on the depth chart and uh, went into the season, wasn't expected to play a lot, but was kind of a reserve that was primed and ready if someone went down. And lo and behold, I think the third or fourth game of the season, we had a starter go down and then I got put in and actually did really well. And why did I do really well? It was because I was preparing when nobody was watching, just kind of in the shadows, doing it over, doing it over, being consistent, not, not pretty, you know, not really some elegant or elite athlete, but I was ready. And then when the time came to come to the game, I was there. And I say this because I think the lessons that I learned from doing that while I didn't realize it at the time translate so much into every other area of life once you get out and you like things start getting thrown at you things get tough or whatever it's just the consistency every single day to keep showing up and um, being able to have a positive mental attitude even when that's not the easiest thing to do that may even be the hardest thing to do so went through that and then got actually put on full scholarship midway through that season. So that was my redshirt sophomore season. It was my third year at school, but if you're not familiar with what redshirt means, it means you have an extra year of eligibility for football. And they do that because a lot of kids will redshirt coming out of high school, especially in football where there's so much development that takes place at the college level. It helps stagger that development to where you don't have an 18-year-old scrawny kid getting thrown into a game with 22-year-old men that have been lifting weights like maniacs for four years. But got put on scholarship midway through the season. And from there, started the rest of the season. And I think I'm good, you know, like I was a walk-on. Now I'm on scholarship. I'm a starter. Life's good, right? No, wrong. Because what happened after that? Well, one of the reasons I probably got to play is because we weren't that good of a team. So uh, there weren't that many guys. We didn't have a bunch of five-star recruits or whatever. Hence why I walk on, even though I was performing pretty well got to start on an ACC Division I team playing the top 25 teams in the country week in and week out. Um, but anyway, at the end of the season, our coaching staff got fired. So boom, right back to square one. But this time, whereas a lot of guys on that team weren't able to handle that mental transition because they had been primed from the time coming out of high school, that they were great, and then the coaching staff told them they're great, and then new coaching staff comes in and they don't really care how great the old coaching staff thought they were. They're going to do things their way in order to try to win games. And what I appreciated so much about doing that is even though I had to start from scratch, just like everybody else on the team, I had spent the last two years just toiling in the shadows, having to prove myself every single day. And so when the new coaching staff came in, yeah, they bump you down to the bottom of the depth chart and they want your, their guys to be the ones that play because they're coming in and they're doing things their way. But I had prepared myself mentally for that to happen. And I knew that every single day I was going to show up and I was going to outwork every single other person on that team to make our team better so that I could be one of the better people. And I don't think a lot of people, I mean, so much in our society these days is all about instant gratification that I don't think a lot of people appreciate the ability to do that, and even though it doesn't, looking back, doesn't seem like that long of a time period, but to go through a whole 15, 16 week semester where you're doing that and kind of in the fire every day, 
going up against that. And I think that's one thing that gets lost a lot in our society, especially of people that may not engage in athletics or military or something where there's rigid structures like that. And there's a clearly defined hierarchy of what you're providing and what you're, what you're lacking in. But um, anyway, we went through the whole entire offseason and the season came around and I was actually elected captain by my teammates going into my junior year. So to go from a walk-on where nobody really even cared if I showed up or not, to be honest, to where my peers on that team respected me so highly that they elected me captain proves that it really is the mental fortitude. It has nothing to do with anything physically or God-given talent that I had that I was elected captain. It was because I demonstrated that mental fortitude proves and prevails and then also was setting an example for other people. And the coaches want that in a program. If you look at really good organizations, it boils down to you have incentivized behavior and the people that follow the incentivized behavior are rewarded. And then humans learn by mirroring other people and humans are going to mirror that behavior because they were incentivized to do better. And that's no different. That's if you have a really good football program, like our new coaches when I came in, when they came in did you incentivize the good behavior and then you reward those that follow the incentivized behavior. And then the people that want the reward are going to do that. And then this is feedback loop where it just keeps getting better and better because these incentives are building on themselves. And then you start to see fruits of your labor and result the resulting in winning or more profit or whatever it would be for your organization. But take a drink of water. Um, anyway, so was elected captain, had a really good year, my junior year. And going into our senior year, we were expected to do a lot because it was kind of a rebuilding year. But um, things didn't go the same way. So I was elected to be captain again. We had a lot of the guys back. One thing that was tough that we had was we had a really young football team. So I think for our senior class, we maybe had like 10 guys, which if you don't know that much about football, is a very limited number of seniors to have. If you look at really, really good football teams, there's always – an echelon of really great leadership and especially older leadership where guys kind of take the program by the horns and go from there. And um, don't think that this whole podcast as well, I just, it's just popped up in my mind. Don't think this whole thing's going to be a football. This is kind of, again, going to be a backstory of who I am and why I do. And I'm kind of giving you the framework for understanding what my outlook on high performance will be and um, why I have kind of the, Opinions, I guess, that I do and how it will form some of the stuff as we break down different tools. But um, as you see, one of the tools that I'm breaking down today is this consistent consistency and showing up even when it's really tough to do and it's not something that you want to do. But anyway, we went through our senior season and we kind of had big hopes going into it. didn't materialize. I think we finished three and nine, like my junior year. But um I was elected captain again and really took away from the school, not so much a degree, which is, it's great to have a degree and everything, but to be honest, I, for what I want to do, I use my degree zero and I don't remember anything really. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I mean, just factual wise that I really learned from my degree, but what I took away from playing football shaped me into the person I became and what football did 
and this is literally really what I kind of want to parallel this podcast to do is it gives you a framework for achieving greatness. So with football, it's pretty easy. There's a score at the end of the game and you know whether you won or lost. And then every practice leading up to that game, you know whether you had a good practice or bad practice because it was great. And you know you have a good practice because you have tools that you're supposed to be supplying to yourself and a framework for understanding, okay, this is good technique versus this is bad technique. And I think that's kind of one thing that gets lost in this day and age, especially if you look at like anything in the personal development space, whatever that means. I mean, that literally could branch into infinity, personal development, the whole industry. But I think what's missing is a tactical framework for piecing together a really a toolbox for understanding how to achieve things because people just get overwhelmed. Now we have access to so much information. People just get overwhelmed and then they end up having the so-called paralysis analysis, analysis paralysis, um, and then just never get started on really trying to achieve what they want to do. But anyway, made it through and then finished my senior year and graduated. And the next step was to try to train for the NFL. So I did that for about six months before our pro day, which is just where NFL scouts come and look at you. And this was another lesson that I really learned. And this was probably one of the tougher kind of this, that period of my life is one of the tougher times because you train for this. And then on paper, you appear to be just as good as everybody else in terms of your speed, agility, strength, all that in terms of what your numbers come out to be on your pro day when you do your performance, but then nobody picks you up and you struggle internally. Okay, what did I do that someone else didn't other than have a bunch of Instagram followers or have, I mean, we didn't come from a winning program, so it's kind of starting in a hole anyway. But, um, you know, that's really, really tough, especially at that age when you've invested. I would say if I look back at my life when I was coming out of that 22, 23, invested probably like 70 to 80% of my whole life in terms of the hours I've spent, the energy that I've output, like not only the hours that I spent training for football, but like what I did outside of that to make sure everything was geared toward making me a better football player. So what I ate, what, you know, what I did, like not partying, these things that other normal college kids would do. And then all of a sudden that's just gone. So imagine like building this tower for your life and you think everything is going to contribute to that. And then this is how it feels at the time. I'm not saying this is what it actually is just building that tower and then just having just a just a Mack truck run through the bottom of that tower and cut underneath it and then it just collapses over. That's kind of where, I mean, to get a little personal, I think that's where a lot of athletes really, really struggle is because your whole life has been invested into this one thing. And then all of a sudden within the matter, within a matter of like just a couple weeks, it's completely gone, taken from you until you're never going to be able to do do it again. So especially football, I mean, basketball, I mean, other sports, they're a little bit easier to just play in a park with other people and enjoy just playing pickup basketball or whatever it is, tennis, swimming, you name it. But with football, you don't get to go put on your pads again and go play 11 on 11 against other guys in front of national television and everything. It just doesn't happen. And nor would it probably be a good thing because of all the concussions and whatnot. But anyway, that's a different topic for a different podcast. But um, 
when that's just taken away from you, your whole identity is kind of just steamrolled and you don't know what to do. And I wish I would have recognized this at the time, but what you have to understand, and especially if you're an athlete that's transitioning out of athletics listening to this, is that just because your, your athletic career is over doesn't mean you're still not an athlete. Doesn't mean you're still not a high achiever. You're just moving into a different arena with that skill set. So it'd be much like if you were a salesman for a certain company, maybe you're a salesman in the tech industry, and then all of a sudden there's an opportunity that comes up in the pharmaceutical industry. Well, you're a salesman, so you can take those skills, go right into the pharmaceutical industry, learn your product, and be on the road. It's not really any different from athletics. You have such a skill set that has been built up within you that's really your identity that you can just transfer into something, whether it's starting your own business, going into the workplace or whatever, and be so much further ahead than anybody that would just be considered a regular student at college or didn't go through that experience. So if you are an ex-athlete like myself, well, I wouldn't even see ex-athlete. We're always an athlete. That's, that's what's great about being an athlete is you're an athlete for your whole entire life. So anyway, um, transition out of that. And like I said, really, really tough. And you're struggling with identity. My degree was in finance. So I was like, okay, I'll just go work in finance, get a job at a bank, be nice and cushy right out of college. And uh, that's what I did. I got a job in California working at a bank and in a very, very short period of time, I'm talking under a month, realized that is not what I wanted to do. And I think you have these neural pathways in your brain if you're an athlete that you just can't be around people that aren't as driven as you and don't have the same vision as you. So why do so many people transfer schools or get traded teams or whatever? It's because they don't have the same vision and they're not on board with what they want to do. And uh, for me, I realized much like I did when I was going to college that if I'm going, I want to know within myself that I was able to achieve something. And if I didn't achieve it, well, at least I gave it everything I tried and I can always go and try to do something else. And uh, that's how it was with the corporate life and me. I just parted ways immediately and nothing against that. That is great for some people, but uh, it wasn't Pete. And I had no idea what I was going to do. So this probably gets into the lowest point of my life, which is when I moved back home after quitting that job, I would have been 23 at that point, which, you know, what's funny about age is like when, whatever age you are, you always think like, man, I've only got a couple more years and then it's all over. Like I got to get my, get my stuff together because if I don't, by the time I'm this age, like I'm done. And that, I, th- I don't think regardless of whatever age you are, that that's ever going to change. So when I was 23, I was like, dude, I got to get this together. Like, what am I doing? I just quit my job. I don't have a job. I'm living at home with my parents. I'm a loser. I'm all these things. Just saying that. And so much of what you are is what you actually believe about yourself. And when you're telling yourself those negative things, um, it really becomes part of your belief system and then that manifests in how you interact with others. And then it circles back into another feedback loop where you're telling yourself the story that's actually playing out in front of your life. 
another weapon of high performance, the story that you tell yourself. You know, what kind of story are you going to tell yourself? But uh, anyway, uh, I knew I always wanted, so I'm in this low point. I knew I always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. And I said, well, what about real estate? I think I was on YouTube one night. My mom had mentioned something about it maybe. And I was on YouTube and I was just looking up like, like how to start your own business, whatever. And I'd see all these YouTube videos of like six figures in your first year, like make 100K your first year as a real estate agent, whatever. I'm like, oh, that seems pretty cool. Like, can't be that bad, right? Like, I'll outwork anybody. And if I can start my own business and make six figures in the first year, I don't care how much I work. I'll drive myself in the ground. Kind of the same method as football. And being an athlete, you'll do whatever it takes work-wise, even if that means, like, just destroy your health, which we'll get into later. But it actually is not what you want to do if you want to be a high performer. But um, anyway, just... I think, too, there was a nice transition because with the real estate, you have to actually go through a school to get your license and everything. So I'm like, okay, there's structure here. I can do this, and then I'll transition. And I'll learn from some other people and do it. So got my license, started doing real estate. And then when I started doing it, I realized, holy crap, I'm mortified of talking to people. And I haven't really mentioned that this much up until this point in the podcast, but you'll kind of see it as a thing that we – go throughout as we have more episodes is um, I'd always known that I'm extremely shy. So I, an introvert as introverts get uh, shy by nature. Don't want to talk to people like when I was younger, like scared to even like talk to the person at the gas station, like scared to pick up the phone. If my parents asked me to pick up the phone, like I just hated talking to people and I don't know where I got that from. You know, no one else in my family is really what you would consider super introverted. But um, I realized all of a sudden, like, holy crap, I have like all this, like, quote unquote, college degree, whatever. And my communication skills are about as good as like a chair sitting at a table, like as the chair itself. Like that's about how good I was at talking to other people. And that's where I would really say, like, I started to go down the rabbit hole of, uh, not even a rabbit hole, but just really just immersing myself in self-development. Because I was like, either I got to do this and figure a way out, or I'm just going to fail, and then I'm going to move to something else. But I knew if I quit just because it was hard, that I would never be able to live with myself. So if I quit, if I didn't like it, that was one thing. But if I quit just because it was hard, and that's why I didn't like it, then I couldn't live with myself. So what I had to do was just pick myself up by my bootstraps. Luckily, I was able to live at my parents' house when I was first starting, but just go out and talk to people every day. And I'll tell you, I mean, still to this day, I'm a massive introvert, but perhaps just as like going through being a walk-on, the being forged in the fire of doing that and from going to being a walk-on to a scholarship player, having to learn how to communicate with other people is probably the most important thing that you'll do in your whole life. And I say that because not because I'm like, I hate communicating with other people. I hate talking to other people. There's nothing else I'd rather do. Like there's nothing in the world that I would want to do other than not have to talk to people. I don't even know what I said just makes sense, but I would, if I could go the rest of my life, just living on an Island and maybe talking to like five or 10 people, I'd be good. Like I wouldn't have anything to worry about. Uh, but what value would that provide to the world? So I'm all about wanting to be a high performer. If I can't communicate the ideas that I have to other people, what value am I even providing to the world? 
So anyway, um, make a long story short, I won't go into it too much, but I've been doing real estate. This will be coming up on my third year, um, just under three years now that I've been doing it. And I've sold, I don't know, probably a little over $15 million in residential real estate. And um, what I had to learn actually, like I had absolutely nothing to what I, like any book smarts or anything that I learned through my whole life, all that mattered was showing up with a positive attitude and saying that I'm going to learn every single day. And now people at my office or whatever are always asking me about stuff. They're like, how do you do this? You seem like you're a machine or whatever. And it's because I show up with a positive mental attitude and I'm always trying to learn from what other people have to say. Um, so that's what I've been between the ages of 23 to 26. That's what I've been doing. And um, it wasn't easy. I mean, remember, I remember the first probably year where it's just a grind. You're not getting paid. Just like when I was a walk-on, you're not getting paid to show up. You're just out there trying to provide value to the world. How just heartbreaking that is because you're going through it every day and you're not getting compensated for the work that you're doing or so you think, but it's one of those things that you have to have a long-term vision of where you want to be. So um, that's what I... That's kind of my life up until this point. And what I really wanted to do with this podcast was cobble all these ideas and everything that I've learned and want to continue to learn from all the people that I study and research into a resource that is like translatable to other people my age and um, that they can kind of learn from, take something as a skill that, I, that maybe I talk about and uh, implement it in our life, see the change, and then also be the light to other people in their life. I think one of the most important things, once you like stop trading time for money, so once you make enough money to be comfortable and realize like you're just not in this rat race of trying to trace more money, your purpose really does become, like you. it sounds like the corniest thing when you're broke and you hear people say this all the time that have a bunch of money, but you really do want to change other people's lives and be a light to them. And I used to hear that like when I'd be like, like, dang, like I, I got to figure out how to like pay my rent this month. And then you hear someone that's making like $30,000 a month talk about, you know, like I really do get satisfaction from helping other people and teaching other people. It's kind of, it's kind of like flip-flops of like, once you can escape the trap of needing to just take care of yourself, you can actually take care of other people. And that's what, I mean, ultimately we'll kind of close out with this. That's what this podcast is going to be about. You can't become a high performer until you build the type of per build yourself into the type of person that is a high performer. And then when you do that, you can actually help other people and change the world. And so that's what I mean, I'll, I'll just close out with that. That's what this podcast is going to be about is how to become a high performer so that you can actually do things to change the world. And whether that's start a business that makes millions of dollars and makes you wealthy so that you can help your family and change lives around you, or whether you have a nonprofit that you want to do that you can actually, you're affecting people and communities and everything like that. That's all, it's all what it boils down to because humans are one organism. So we're just one cell in the organism that is humanity. And the more good that we can contribute out in the world, the better that whole hive humanity is going to be. And just the world's going to be a better place. But until you can actually take care of yourself and turn yourself into the type of person that can actually give back to the world, we're going to be in this constant struggle where everybody's just fighting for themselves and we're like dogs. There's like, we're like a pack of 10 hungry dogs 
but get thrown a ball and they all fight over it. So that's the goal of this is to be the dog so that if there's a pack of 10 dogs that gets thrown a bone, you're the one that's gone out and found food for yourself and taken care of yourself to when where one of those bones is thrown to the 10 hungry dogs, you can actually walk up to those dogs and say, hey, this is the way. Like, look at what I did to build myself where I didn't have to worry about fighting over those little scraps. I built abundance so that I didn't need that and that I can go out and figure out how to do things for myself. And I think if you, depending on where you're at with your journey in life, if you're one of those dogs fighting for the bone, but you know that's not the life that was meant for you, um, this is where I want this podcast to come in and help and uh, just be a resource and brain trust for um, turning yourself into the type of person that can actually help other people uh, because you're such a high performer, you know? So uh, that starts with taking care of yourself. And a lot of stuff that we'll talk about will be about optimizing performance, just mental, physical, emotional, spiritual performance, but also um, how to take care of yourself to where all those channels of your life can be optimized. So with that, I would like to close out episode one. Um, hopefully this was helpful and hopefully like you got something out of it. I kind of I rambled a little bit, but um, hopefully the journey of what got me here today helps. And um, if there's anything I can do, I'm going to have show notes with everything and all that good stuff. So I really, really hope that you will stay tuned for everything because we're going to be coming at you with a lot of great content. It's just going to be me, myself, and I starting right now and kind of going through some of the themes, ideas, topics, and whatnot that I'd like to engage in. But uh, any feedback is much appreciated. Like I said, if there's one person out there listening to us right now, uh, I love you. Thank you. And hopefully this helps. Peace.